Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to talk about the 11th episode of season two of Star Trek Discovery entitled Perpetual Infinity. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Trek Storian, Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, man? Doing great, man. Doing great. Glad to be on. Sorry I missed the last week. My wife had an award ceremony, so but I'm here now. Well, congratulations to Miss Shorts. Thank and, you. And also we have down there in Hattiesburg is the Stargate Storian, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I, I'm also doing well. Also glad to be here. Awesome sauce. In Kansas City, we have the tech storian Carrie Brown. How you doing, dude? I'm doing great, man. Doing great, doing great. Happy to be back. Excited to get, you know discuss this episode. Awesome. And last, we have the Who Storian, Cal Jones. How you doing, dude? Glad to be back. Missed last week. I uh, want to defend all the time travel episodes and stories out there, but I'm back. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> oh, somebody uh, posted on our. Um, our YouTube page, which you can get to by going to YouTube and searching for discussing Trek. They said they missed Cal Jones. They missed the, the who story in, in the last episode. Well, the who story is <laughs> glad to be back. And literally I, I listened to the episode earlier today again for the second time. And I l- was screaming, not screaming, but yelling through and going, come on now. You guys can't hate time travel episodes. Okay, well, I'm giving you the floor right sure here, sir. <laughs> uh, what, 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 what do we say that was so wrong? Talk us down. Oh, well, let's see. What did you say? Well, it wasn't wrong. Nobody's opinion is wrong, but I will say, I think you guys might have said something to the effect, I hate time travel episodes. <laughs> well, we might say that they break our brain. <laughs> I think that's a true uh, assessment. Well, I've said it in the past. I hate time travel episodes. I hate time day. travel storylines in general, but I, I, I'm willing to hear your side, Cal. No, well, my <laughs> o- my only side is s- sometimes you have to just just. I'm not sure what the word is. Just I, go with I the can't flow. Dissociate. Yeah, you gotta go with flow until you hear until you see the entire episode through. You know, the entire story through. Disconnect there, your hippocampus. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But no, but, 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 but in all seriousness, guys, you guys had a very good, uh, entertaining episode. And I do agree about the music. I thought the music was a little bit much last week. So that was, that's my two cents. Did you like the last, last week's episode real quick before you move on? I like this episode better. I didn't like the, the I did not like the putting Bar- Burnham in the, uh, <laughs> We're going to kill her to make herself come back. That that was now that in a time travel that didn't kind of make sense to me. But other than that, it was OK. But this one was much better. So awesome. What we do here on this show is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, guys, if you like this show, tell a friend, tell a friend, uh, give them the link to subscribe. Tell them to go to the website. Visit us on all the social medias at Discussing Trek. Uh, the more people we can get in to join in in the conversation uh, makes everything better. Um, Yeah. So a few things of note on the news side that I had. 
Uh, first off, remembering Leonard Nimoy on his eight, what would have been his 88th birthday. Um, this on the 26th of this past month, uh, would have been his 88th birthday. So, you know, you know, we gotta, we gotta give props to Mr. Uh, Nimoy himself. And also there was a convention festival called Pele Fest. If I'm saying that right, uh, that's kind of the first I've heard of this. Like the soccer player. I maybe <laughs> Pele Fest. I think it's some convention in California, if I remember correctly. Maybe I should do more research on this. <laughs> but the thing is, there was some kind of big news. Big. <laughs> so the cast and crew um, of Star Trek Discovery says season two is going to bring an unexpected, unexpected ending that will change everything. You know, so, I mean, that's not too out of the realm of anybody on any show to say about their season. But I think it may be uh, them taking a further step to maybe push things to our canon and doing something that's going to shock us. <laughs> but their their show has been about the shock from week to week. So I don't really know what they can do that will really just wow us. But. It could be interesting. And then a few of the cast members gave some feedback. Ethan Peck, I personally think that the end of the season is going to be tremendous. When Kurtzman first told me about it, I was in tears. I had chills. That's okay. Coming from Spock. Also, Doug Jones, as I read the final script of season two, my jaw dropped and I'm dumbfounded with where we're headed. So I think the fans can expect to go boldly where no Star Trek series has gone before. Bold words. And here's... Another comment from Wilson Cruz, uh, Colber, expect the unexpected is what my mother always says. And it couldn't be more true, especially on this season, because everything will change. Thoughts? Oh, <laughs> OK. What about this? And Clarence, if I am restating a hypothesis you posted the other night, I uh, interrupt me because I don't mean to be stealing it if I am. But that being said, what if the discovery goes into the future and the rest of the series stays in the future for the remainder of however long it's on? Yeah, and I, I think we may get into a little of that once we review this episode, because there were some numbers that were quoted in the episode that seem very close to that 1000 year nebula thing we had from Calypso, which uh, Burnham's mother going 950 years in the future and being tethered there could somehow tie into that. I don't know. I'm still kind of percolating with my theories and thoughts on that, but maybe. So is but but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I hate time travel <laughs> so I mean a thousand years from now would that not be like in like TNG um, let's look it up I think we're in 2254 now so when does TNG take I wouldn't that be past like everything TNG is like a hundred years later yeah this would yeah, be like past everything so this would be okay, like okay. exceeding Voyager probably with the Voyager's EMA yeah, I'm thinking device. a thousand years, not a hundred years. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Would it? Would is that something that we'd be interested in going that far into the future with no chance of seeing the other um, show people and characters we know and love? Is that something we're willing to mm -hmm. do? Absolutely not. 
Oh, absolutely. Yes, I agree. I mean, uh, I'm going to go the exact opposite direction. Sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if they if they go that far in the future for the rest of the show, like it might as well be Orville. Because now, I mean, now they just free themselves to do whatever and not have to be explained. Aren't they already doing that? <laughs> yeah, I, I no, not necessarily. I mean, it's still somewhat trying to keep. I mean, at, at this point, they're ret- retconning their own books. Like, I, I, at this point, anything is possible, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, but but I do think they are slowly trying to get things more in line, which we'll talk about in in this episode a little bit more. They are slowly trying to move things back toward what we all know and love. Well, what we all know and some love. So, <laughs> so I do think we're getting back there. Also, it's also, it, excuse me, it's also been said that, you know, I think the news came out a couple of weeks ago that Pike won't be returning for the next season, which makes, what? which makes sense. And they may even, even be showing on screen what happens to him by the time he's in TOS proper which is very you know, sad it's going to- you know what's funny though like he's such a good character and so his actor is such a good actor that like i keep forgetting that he wasn't in the first season yeah <laughs> he is so good and i think that's maybe one of the reasons i didn't really like last episode because we barely see him <laughs> and yeah he's in this one a little bit more but man he's such a good captain dude one of my favorites Definitely one of my favorite Star Trek characters, period, at this point. Yeah, he grew on me a lot from his hokey beginnings. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. Hey, if, if if you don't mind, let me let me add one more defense to the future uh, sure. hypothesis, if you don't mind. Go for so it. So I would say probably in the mid-90s of, of when Star Trek Voyager came out, I'm would probably bet that a lot of people did not like the fact that it was in the Delta Quadrant as opposed to the Alpha Quadrant because you would not have anything that we know and love and the characters that we're used to seeing, et cetera, and so forth. And Voyager became, for many people, mine included, the Until Discovery, my favorite version of Star Trek. So putting them in the future, if it's written well and you have good characters could possibly be a good thing. Well, that's the thing about time travel is that it's either done really well or really not. Because I've read like a couple of series of books where they've introduced time travel like in the middle and it just threw the whole game off. Like it was, you know, there was jumping the shark. So it's just, it it really just depends on the writing. Agreed. Uh, Yeah. Totally agree. And I guess we learned in this episode, time is fluid. So I guess we'll get into that. <laughs> did we not know that already? Yeah, we didn't, did. But, did but, but didn't Doctor Who teach us that like fifty years ago? I, I love how I gave Doctor Gabriel so emphatically stated it in this episode. Spoilers. Red alert! All hands stand the battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So we're here to review Star Trek Discovery Perpetual Infinity, Series 2, Episode 11, which aired March 28, 2019, directed by Maja Varillo, who also directed the short Trek Runaway. Burnham receives the reunion she's been longing for, but it doesn't go quite as she imagined. Jojo and Tyler sense a disturbing change in Leland. 
So we start off with this flashback scene to show what happened on Doctor Alpha. Um, any thoughts? What are our initial thoughts on this this flashback scene here? Redcon. Carrie, <laughs> you take it. What would you got, man? Okay, so I mean, I might be just imagining things, but I remember in the first season her saying she saw her parents get killed. Like I might just be imagining that. And then you mentioned in the book where they say that she saw her mom get violated basically by Klingons. And now she's shut in a sealed room and her mom is not even in the room. And yeah, so you saw what happened. Eh. Yeah. Now, I always thought that she was in the room, but I thought she could see through it. So, again, like the fact that she doesn't know anything about the Red Angel or the suit for that matter feels kind of strange to me and yeah she just like walked like walked down the hall and got in the suit like <laughs> yeah. how did she not know about that yeah what about you uh john um i don't know i, I it did seem a lot of like setup time with it uh I don't see anything strange about it though. Like, but like Harry said, I think I remember that. Remember them saying she witnessed her mother being killed, and I'm like, okay, where's that part at? So they left that out. But I think even in the flashback in the first couple episodes, it showed that she could see through like the yeah the little window shape, like right. in shades. But and I think this episode, you actually seen it. It like it does have like I don't know what you call it slats. Cuts, vents, I don't know, something yeah. in the door. So, I mean, she can still see through it, but I still don't see where she's seen her mother get killed. Yeah. And it seems like to me, when we first learned about, when we first seen her first flashback, she was looking out of this door thing, and it was like outside. Hmm. I need to go and, back and watch it. See, out I, inside. See, see, I think... Okay, so when Carrie, when you said that on last week's episode, that that stood out, stood out in my head, and you brought it back again, and and I agree with you. And Jonathan, I think you're a hundred percent correct because when I was listening to Carrie uh, talk about this particular scene last week, I was thinking that it took. Um, took place outside and then uh, Jonathan you just validated that so I, I think it did take place outside hmm. so, so is that a mess up or is it I don't, I don't know if it took place outside I don't I don't I I'll go back and watch it but I don't think it took place outside from everything I've read she was always thrown into a closet uh, but I don't know I knew that she could see it though I knew that she could see it but I didn't I never thought they were outside so I don't know. Maybe we need to go back and research that one. Or people listening here can tell us how wrong we are by sending in feedback. <laughs> uh, which which we, um, Eric is always sending us good feedback in. I wish I had it queued up because he gave some pretty good feedback to this episode as well. Uh, Jeremy, do you have any thoughts on the scene? Well, uh, I, once again, you know, I, I, I'm under the impression that she was able to see what was going on through these little slats in the closet or whatever. But just from the from the dialogue the family had, they seemed pretty open about everything they were doing. So I find it hard to believe that if her mom was working on this suit, she would have no knowledge of it, which was apparently right down the hall. <laughs> yeah. And being like, you know, 10, 11, however, however old she is, you know, I find it hard for them not to snoop around to see what their parents are doing. Yeah. So we find out that she's 10 and, and I totally agree with you. They, even in the one scene we <laughs> saw, 
the father mentions the crystals, crystal in passing and talks about the stability and the time trials and the trials and all this stuff. And it seems like something even a 10 year old would have at least known a little bit about. Now, the intimate details, I can see her not knowing that, but seemed like she would have knew a little inkling of what was going on there. Um, Dr. Alpha. But it also seems like, and just I guess in the Star Trek universe as a whole, that you know, ten year olds then are a lot smarter than ten year olds now. Yeah. So they would have kind of, I guess, a basic understanding of such things. Mm-hmm. So I, I just really find it difficult to believe that she didn't know anything about this. I mean, she I, could have, and they could have just. I mean, she already knows her mother is a xenoanthropologist, her dad was a physicist, so they're both scientists. Right. And they could, you know, hey, we're working on a project. Right. But and, I mean, you would think if the suit is right down the hall, she would have seen it at some point, And then, oh, look, there's this red angel popping up all over <laughs> the universe. Hey, that looks familiar. My mom or my parents were working on something yeah, like that. Yeah, I guess I can see that. So, I, I mean, uh, you know, this scene kind of makes me wonder... <sighs> If the trauma that she suffered from seeing her parents die or seeing one of her parents die or whatever the case may be is so strong that she just forgot all this or she blocked it out and maybe that's going to come back to play later. Yeah, that that's definitely an awesome point there. And also a fun fact, uh, Sonequa Martin-Green's husband is actually the guy that's playing uh, young Burnham's father in that scene oh wow yeah. that's, cool. that's neat yeah that's pretty awesome he's also on a walking dead too or was on a walking dead as well so uh you pretty- know what i was very impressed with their selection of the character playing her mom i don't know her name but yes. i mean it it was i mean you could really like like you see a re- resemblance like that's her mom you know sometimes you see these shows and they're like this is my dad or mom and you like you know, if this wasn't TV, you could just, you definitely not your parents. But her name is Sonia Son. Son, yeah. I feel like I've seen her in something else before. Yeah, the Wire is what I'm seeing. Is that the Wire? Oh, yeah, she is in The Wire. She's a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Something I, else I've seen her in. Yeah, but she is a good fit. I mean, honestly, when they showed the reveal at the end of the last episode, I still had to take a second look to make sure it wasn't when Sonequa Martin with old like older makeup. Right. Yeah, I, I was the same way. It took me a while to try to kind of decide whether or not it was still Michael or not. Well, uh, speaking of deciding if it was Michael or not, uh, I think she had a similar um problem so burnham comes to after the events of last episode uh we find out she's been out for five hours and she was dead for a little over a minute um are we buying the explanation from colbert about the biological similarities between mothers and daughters when he was so emphatically sure that that was burnham's signature uh bioneural signature in the last episode that's them just kind of making it up as they go along yeah. To me, that's what it feels like. Or what if what if time is changing each time she goes back? Perhaps. But yeah, I'm not <laughs> kind of buying that either. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe they just didn't think that was a possibility, and they just kind of ruled that out, possibly. Um, 
But yeah, it seems like that should have been the, one of the first things they would say. Oh, it's probably her, but you know, this DNA test, the neural test is not that accurate. So it's all not most, most of the times when you hear about a DNA test, they don't say, you know, it's them for sure. Those would be like a 97 point whatever percent. Right. Uh, you are but not that's the DNA father. test now. <laughs> DNA test then had to be more exact. Yeah. Mm. What about this? If they had said that it is of your family DNA, then everyone would immediately, maybe not everyone, but the immediate speculation I would have had would have been, oh, it's it's either the, her mother or father. And since we already know it's a female figure, oh, it's your mother. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would have made more sense. They could have explained it a little bit Or better. a child from the future or something. Yeah, and it's easy for me to like nitpick here, but but they have done a lot of things I feel are pretty excellent in setups, uh, which I'll get to later. But, you know, Spock comes in in this scene here and he says that uh, he mentions the treasure trove of extracted mission logs from the exoskeleton, 841 to be exact. Um, What are our thoughts on the scene from peeking into kind of these logs of the future? Do we like those? Um, and I'll go to Kyle for this. What are your thoughts on those, man? The logs of the future. I, I kind of, and I hate going Dr. Who here, but I kind of look at it as river's diary and meaning by that spoilers, you don't want to find out what's coming in the future because some things you don't need to know. So, I know that this doesn't necessarily have to deal with the future, but these logs, I I, I don't know. I just think uh, I, I'm kind of torn, does that, if that makes sense. What do you think? Um, well, let me get somebody else a chance to answer real quick, Carrie, or anybody else have any thoughts on, on uh, these logs? I, I want to kind of step out and kind of agree with Kyle here yeah. that, um, you know, you don't necessarily want to know what the future is going to bring because it, it knowing it may not bring it. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's kind of hard to put those mission logs in the context if you don't know, like, I guess her linear, like where she is every time she jumps, because she may not know where she, like, when she is every time she jumps. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it, it, to me, it, I would think it'd be kind of difficult. I mean, it, at least for someone like me, it'd be kind of difficult to put all those in a context, not knowing when and where she is necessarily. Well, you know, I don't think. Where, 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 and when she is the important part. I think it was just the whole point of those logs was just to humanize her mother and to give Burnham context into her, la- like where she's been the last 20 years. I, I don't think they really serve any purpose outside of that, honestly, because they know, you know, she's been intervening in their timeline. Like they already know that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's her past. I think where she is, we know she, she's th- 950 years in the future. Where she is really doesn't matter as much as this being a peek into her past. Uh, we see early on where they were on like log eight, you know, and she like goes through each of these logs. So it's just us, uh, like Harry said, us getting to know, us getting to know this character of, of Gabriel. So I don't, I don't think the time thing really matters that much on this. It's just a peek into who she is. And I have to say on the logs themselves, I love, I love how that, how the logs show us instead of them just telling us. And to me, I, it, it made much more impact by being able to see what she's kind of been in a little bit. All right. Do you so, mind if I backtrack real, real quick? Sure. I got so confused. Because I agreed with you? 
No, 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 not at all. Absolutely not at all. I actually didn't make sense to myself just a minute ago because I got confused. I thought you were <laughs> referring to the database and having access to the database. And as I started talking and listening to you guys, I was like, oh, crap, I, I misunderstood. You, if you're, ta you're talking about the the blogs as in the videos that she was watching of her mother, right? That's what you guys were talking yes. about. <clears throat> yes. So that being said, I thought it humanized the mother. I thought that it made the scene that they're, that we're going to see a little bit later have such much more of a, an emotional impact than had we just seen her reading something from a diary as opposed to seeing the video. So I'm kind of backtracking and restating what I said. And, and yeah, again, I like, I, I feel like it's an excellent opportunity for them to actually, you know, instead of telling us how great Arium is, you know, <laughs> they, they show us the adventures of Mama Burnham. And I, I thought that was really good. So, so, so John, and uh, I wanted to go to you about maybe if you have a comment about the previous conversation, but also I want to ask you about the reason for Terralesium New Eden. Do we like the reasoning here uh, in this episode? Uh, so I'll say this. I'm just glad that they gave me a reason. Like that was my complaint a couple of uh, episodes back was, you know, when are we going to get an explanation for Terralesium? Like, why did why was that important? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, now now we have a reason. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm okay with it. I I would like to know what why I would like to know her reasoning behind choosing that particular time to because I mean obviously it was an experiment. She she had to figure out if she could if she could change. The timeline, and I think she got an answer. You know, the community is thriving on another planet. So, uh, I know it was obviously an experiment by scientists. Like, but why did she choose them? Was kind of what bothered me. I kind of wanted to know. Yeah, it would have been good to know if that church that she moved was integral in some specific part of World uh, War Three, but we don't really know that. We just know it's a church full of people. Um, and then maybe she went back enough to kind of figure out that maybe they were so unimportant that moving it wouldn't affect, you know what I mean? Maybe there was one of those things that affect the timeline the least. Or what if there is some, you moved this, you know, you moved this set of people and that either allowed somebody to be born that wouldn't have been born that yeah. is impacting what's going on today all because you move those people yeah maybe she she extrapolated like what effect it would have had and and just using this just as an experiment to see could she actually influence the timeline by removing a certain descendant or whatever and she fi she figured out that she could you know like we said up top times fluid or whatever so yeah I, I do like them using that as an explanation and you know making this whole idea of this <laughs> church out on this planet, New Eden uh, slash Terralesium, that it makes sense uh, wise there. So I'm, I, I I like that. And I have a theory, a small theory that the seven signals are all uh, a result of her permanently changing the timeline. 
She doesn't know about the seven signals because she's causing the seven signals. So, I mean, we see the signal happened over the Terry Lysium thing. That that was one of the signals. Uh, the, the sphere was a signal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, she tried to destroy the sphere. She Eventually, she just put it in Discovery Space, like permanently affecting the timeline. And I think somehow that's causing the signals. That could be it. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I kind of have to wait a little bit to see their explanation, but that I guess that could make sense. Uh, but, and to to backtrack a little bit to answer, to answer your previous conversation about the uh, logs, I thought the logs were very important in this episode. Like It connected a lot of things for me. Yeah. I don't know if that... I, I appreciated them. I enjoyed them. Like I, it made a lot of things a little more clear. Yeah, it definitely grounded that character really fast and made her made us like her. <laughs> well, me anyway, it made me like her. So, yep, great. So we learned that the Karen entity that we just mentioned is the key to everything, and that uh, Gabriel's placed the sphere directly in Discovery's past, which someone just mentioned. Um, do we like how they've made this data so important, the key to the future, and how it's played a pivotal role in this season i'll go to carry for that one well i mean in my opinion i feel like that's they pretty much painted themselves in a into a corner with like where they've taken things so as far as like the data being i mean it didn't seem like it was like a jump for me like i i, I it seemed like the natural progression for where they were going and like i said they kind of painted themselves into a corner in the sense that it has to be important at this point i mean when you look at the stuff that's happened over the past few episodes especially the whole overblown thing i feel like with arium and <laughs> all that yeah. um so i mean Given she jumped 900 and so or so odd years into the future, and I mean, I feel like they rationalized the whole thing. I don't know. Like, I'm really, I'm not nearly as upset about that now as I was in the last episode. So, a little bit of more of the timey wimey stuff that's hurting our brains. So, was the original intent that sometime in the future? the control AI would have eventually gotten the Charon data anyway. And she initially started going back to prevent that at some point in time. And each time she went back, the control AI tried to counter that by doing something else to make it happen anyway. Is that what we're kind of feeling there? Uh, Yeah. Me personally, I yeah. feel like she, it, at some point she would start, I mean, I just kind of linked it in my head to where she was jumping back to figure out what happened. Cause she said she jumped in and everything was destroyed. So I just feel like she pieced it together. Um, in so many jumps, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it could have been like a cascading thing or maybe, yeah. maybe she first jumped back 500 years to try to fix it. And then the AI countered and she went, you know, she kept going back to try to find the point. That was like the best time to try to fix this because whatever she did, it didn't matter. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. So yeah, I didn't have much, much of a problem with that. I mean, it, it all worked for me. So let's talk about control a little bit. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so control 
confronts or the control AI um, confronts uh, or it could be the virus. I don't know which version of control this actually is. Is it the future version that came back and infected Arium or is it the current version of control? I don't know. In any sense, um, what are our thoughts on the whole confrontation of the initial confrontation of Leland and the control AI? I'll go to Jeremy for this, man. What do you, what do you think about that initial confrontation? Uh, you mean the whole I thing? Control first confronts Leland as a hologram when he has him shut uh, down. Yeah, so that, that whole scene. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> Anybody? it's it's it's, my only problem with that i didn't understand so controls telling leland you know hey i could easily uh take over arium because of her augmentation it's easy for me to replicate and somehow the vulcan was easier to replicate than a human and i don't really understand why and why is it that leland is going to make it easier to replicate a human than any other human. Does that make sense? I think the mm. way they worded it was a little bit confusing. Go ahead, Cal. No, I was just I was just thinking, uh, kind of thinking out loud. I, I kind of have to agree with what you're saying, Jonathan. But what were you saying, Clarence? No, I was just going to say that I think that it – I think that maybe she was just talking about the fact. Well, I keep. Why, why do I call it a she? The control AI was <laughs> Cortana. Yeah, I, maybe I'm equating it to Arium. I don't know, but the control AI eventually said. Well, it says that it took over Arium, which was, I guess, was kind of easy because Arium was a cyborg. But then I think everything else you're just referring to, or it's just referring to the fact that it was using the holographic technology and that, oh, we have 7,000 ships in Starfleet and their alliance is on the chain of command. If I can emulate anybody because the prevalence of holographic projectors that are currently on this Federation ships, I can pretty much do anything, you know, via communications or whatever. And um, if it was a hologram, then why is it more difficult for a human than a Vulcan or a I don't, I don't think it race matters. I think what she's really saying is the holographic. I don't, I don't think she's saying that was the problem. She was saying that the holographic, uh, emulation can only take her so far. So I think she's just setting, setting Leland up to tell him that, look, I can only do this holographic thing so much and it'll only go so far, but they respect you. You, you are the centerpiece of this. Um, section 31 operation that pretty much has, you know, it's, it's, uh, free reign to kind of do the Federation's bidding to, to make things go as they see fit. And I think she just kind of make that point, trying to make that point to Leland. Somebody mm-hmm. else is on. The so, only thing I would add to that is I would say that not only would they do, they being the Federation, everything you just said, but because it's section 31, there's less likely a chance to question what they're doing, yeah. which in turn gives more free reign. It's almost equivalent of, <laughs> of um, brainwashing the king or the president. I don't know. And having him do your bidding. Although, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's just an excellent play for this AI to try to control a actual physical being which that just goes beyond a a communication um, to have somebody physically in front of you. That takes it to a different level, I feel. 
And can I just say one thing? Go for it. How about those nanoprobes? Oh, you, you thought they were nanoprobes too. <laughs> uh, I've heard a lot of similarities. Yeah. I think there was one time it said something along, along the lines of resistance is futile. Did they say that in this episode? Uh, I think when she was yep, strapped, yep, when yep, he was strapping, yep, yep. it was strapping Leland to the chair. Or yep. Wow. The chair. I thought it was. I thought it was very, very close. Like maybe you can't resist or something, but not quite. Resistance is futile. But I may be wrong. I think it said resistance is futile. But and then injected him with nanoprobes, and the reaction of the probe yes. through his skin, skin is exactly, exactly. like yeah. Yeah, it it looks like some board technology has creeped in. Now, my only question is like, did it, did this come from the future or is it in current times? It shouldn't be in current times. Um, but I don't know if it's part of the the knowledge base that the virus brought, brought back from the future. So I have another question. <laughs> so so if this AI from the future can send back a virus to inject Arium, couldn't it just send the Karen the Karen data back to himself? <laughs> I was just about to ask that same question. I hate time episodes. <laughs> you created a time paradox. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. See a note from Save. <laughs> and it was a paradox because I knew you were about to say that. That's why I said I knew you were about to say that. <laughs> but it should be able to send it back to itself. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. Time episodes are stupid. I'm sorry, <laughs> but with him knowing, or, or with the with with control knowing that control was going to send it back to itself, would that knowing and knowing that that would create the paradox cause control not to send it back to himself or itself to send it to somewhere else to not create the paradox? Hence, the paradox never happened. My head hurts. <laughs> this is, this is where I'm fine. So fine. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there was no control to send it back to, so it can't send it to itself. It's trying to create itself. Well, it's trying to create the advanced but, version. But is the so. control from the future or from the past? Because mm-hmm. now I'm really confused. Cause... I think it's the control. So could it be? The... Could it be possibly that the control in the future doesn't have the data? Is it, could that even be a possibility at this point? So maybe it lost control. <laughs> so we know control is uh, originally a Starfleet program designed to help defend the Federation. So I'm having a hard time believing like I think in 950 years from now, when control destroys all life, it could be like you say, Carrie, it never really got the data, but in its quest to get the data, like it screwed up or went too far and destroyed everything. Hmm. Because if it truly becomes self-aware and conscious, like why would it destroy everything? Because that's how computers go crazy in every science fiction adaptation ever made. They well, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about paradoxes. Let's talk about the paradox of security. How do you make your computer 100% <laughs> secure? How do you do that? You can't. 
You do it by unplugging it from the internet or turning oh, it off. Boy. Those are the only two ways <laughs> you air gap the computer. So, I mean, this could be like an extreme, extreme, extreme version of that. I got you. Huh. So, real quick, let's talk about um, Tyler and Jojo's uh, handling of the situation. Do we think they, these guys make a good team? Do we like to see them work together in this episode? Was it fun? I do. I do. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. And... <laughs> Man. And it kind of goes back to my thing of how Burnham, uh, not Burnham, how George Joe is so different for that five seconds of last episode. I told you guys she was <laughs> softening up. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> she is so good. I'm enjoying her so much, man. She is so she's much. She's one of my fun. favorite characters, too, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's definitely growing on me this season. Yeah, I, like I, I've been saying all along, the mirror George Joe, I, I loved a lot better than the original. Uh, so yeah, she's great, but I'm I'm starting to dislike Tyler more. Yeah, yeah, he's like a big old weenie head. He's a waste of space right now. <laughs> well, I mean, you you can say that about him, but like, look at it this way, okay? He's not a human. He's not Klingon. He's been rejected by the humans. He's been rejected by the Klingons. This was the one place for him to go where he felt like he belonged, and, and he's he doing his best to fall in line. And now all this crap happens. He just wants to be loved. That's like, I really think all he's just going to jump out of here. Just be loved. I just, I don't think, I, I don't hate his character. Like, I just feel like he's a product of his environment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's doing the best he can just to hold it together, man. Like, he's really been dealt the biggest poop sandwich of anybody <laughs> on this show. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, I can't really blame the guy. Can't hurt me anymore. Takumba. <laughs> <laughs> And go ahead. And Burnham is kind of irritating me. Oh wow! Them, yeah, them's fighting words. Why them's is she fighting I'm, words? You have to elaborate on that. She's just way too emotional now. That's, like that's what makes it good, dude. dude. She hasn't exactly. seen her. She hasn't seen her mother in twenty years. I mean, what do you expect her to do? Her mother is dead. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden she's back and doesn't want to talk to her. No, you don't have a heart. I'd be, uh, listen, I, I'm just used to seeing the Michael Burnham that like, and I, I mean, I get it. I get it. I, I get it. What they're doing. I just don't like it. Like, I don't I was like more su- Michael Burnham. Well, I was more surprised to see Spock smile. And now you're talking about her. She's yeah. Uh-huh. Now, Spock, Spock, on the other hand, I'm really enjoying. Yeah, he's fun. He's fun. Agreed. Like, I really enjoy Spock. I like science. Cool. That, that was such an that offhanded awesome. comment. I'm like, he sounded like Tilly now. What's even going on? <laughs> that was awesome, dude. Like he's tr- he's trying to make a joke. I know. <laughs> I don't know if I like that too. It was funny. Nobody laughed. Definitely but was funny. I thought it was funny. So I mean, real quick, Tyler gets his mission to go steal the data. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, torn, conflicted Tyler doesn't know what to do. But let's first talk about the Pike conversation with Mama Burnham. Do what I say now. <laughs> Man, <laughs> dude, dude, her foreshadowing to Pike about what would happen to him had me so sad, dude. So sad. <laughs> I can say more about your future, but you won't like it. I was just like, so, ouch. So he's probably going to die, right? <laughs> well, I mean, from what happens in TOS, he winds up in his wheelchair thing, kind of. Um, it's, it, it's, it's a two episode arc from TOS, like the fifth or sixth episode. Um, the oh, Menagerie the, the, one and two. It shows what happens to Pike. 
Oh, in the original series, they show what happened to Pike. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. And it's and it's, it's kind of tragic too. It's very tragic. <laughs> very tragic. But yeah, they she she foreshadows with that. That made me a little sad. But you know, she gives them this ultimatum. You know, we need to destroy this data by any means necessary. Um, and this is the part where she also mentions that she knows nothing about these red signals. Uh, and I think we kind of talked about th- about that a little bit already, so I won't bring it back up. Okay, can we take a time out for a second? I want to talk about something that really bothered me right around this this part. What you got, man? So when they go to delete the data, right? <laughs> the data is just data. It's just data. It's just ones and zeros. How is it going to figure out how to protect itself? What if? And how are you going to put a firewall in a file store? Like this is the whole thing just oh, made me mad. Like this doesn't make any sense. But, but I do think it's more. It's than protecting data. itself with a firewall. But, 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 what? I think it's more like a, a program than just pure data. Uh, think of um, but it is just data like but it's the consciousness of this Chiron entity being pushed into the Discovery's computer systems so it's but more- it's just data <laughs> it's just data <laughs> I don't That's know by that logic control is just data thank you so and it's and it has achieved sentience it's auto it's all that 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 is our official intelligence that's not data like it was it's a program like but in but, the program data but but no I, no a program is something that ha, that is it, it's instructions and it can take action. This star stuff is just information. That's all it is. How is the information going to become aware enough to protect itself? But, but like that whole thing. Just, I defended just, it a little. Bit. I didn't like that. I defend a little bit. I think it's a little bit more because if you go back to the episode where it initially enters an Oba for Karen, when it initially enters the discovery, it causes the systems, the communication systems, go haywire and everybody's speaking a different language. So I think it is maybe just a little bit more than data. Now are they sloppy and just calling it data every time? Probably so. They should. Say it's a little bit more if it can do all of this. I, I totally agree with you there. They should call it like they should have called it like yeah. They should have yeah. That was the wrong word to use. Maybe that's my problem. It's just the way they the way it just started morphing. I was like, what? <laughs> it's why can't it itself? Why can't it just if it can do all that? Why can't it just fight the freaking um control <laughs> program? Like ugh. yeah, it's already more powerful than control if it's doing all this crap. <laughs> oh, it's in an ancient language encrypted. We can't touch it. Like, really? now, see that that was kind of that briefly crossed my mind. Like, if it can protect itself from being deleted, why isn't it protecting itself from yes. control? Yes, good freaking point, dude. Yeah, that's what Plot I'm hole. saying. Plot that's hole. what I'm saying. <laughs> or is it a pot? Is it a pothole? Plot hole? If it was only designed to protect itself from being deleted, but uh, it was yeah. not from being uploaded or from being red so you can use me any way you want you just can't kill me basically <laughs> i mean seriously if it's if it's nothing more than prostitute. a program <laughs> right it, it is what his program is <laughs> in a show where people are transcending space and time and <laughs> traveling dimensions and um there are other life forms and we have uh transporters that are teleporting people from planet surface to spaceships. To me, the thing that bothers me the most is this. Like by <laughs> far, this is the thing that bothers me the most. Oh man. Worst um, Matrix movie ever. <laughs> so let, let's talk a little bit about the reasoning for Gabriel to seek out Spock. 
Do we feel a little bit better now for uh, the mention of Spock having this character changing dyslexic uh, affliction uh, a few episodes back? Does it make a little bit more sense now that he has that? And just just any general thoughts on that? No. Why? Like, why? Other people go first. (laughs) Like, okay, the whole Spock thing, I just don't get. Like, it was like she claimed he helped a lot, but what did he do? He understood. Okay, but what did his understanding do? He was able to dissect. I don't get how him reading backwards is going to help him understand (laughs) all this. Like, that's the problem I have with that, too. Like, I love this episode, but, like, this is... that part bothered me too. Not as much, well, but it still bothered me. But if he, if he, if he processes, all right, already he processes information differently. And you add the second layer of the dyslexia having another way of seeing things, whatever those three combination of ingredients were allowed him to process or see a little bit outside the box, maybe. Well, yeah. she says it, it helped him uh, withstand the effects of temporal dysphagia, which in Star Trek, that's just usually when like people travel through time so much, they kind of forget which way is right. Like they, yeah, they don't know which which way is the right way to go and like what's future and what's past. And it usually drives people and cra- drives people crazy. But because of his dys- dyslexia, he could like kind of fight the effects of that. That that was her reasoning. But yeah. but, but but it but, still didn't help. Like he still did nothing to help. Like we got Spock here, but what did he do to help us? So if she can't communicate with people, how can she communicate with them now? Come again? So my understanding of the that whole thing that John just said was that because she's traveling through space and time, it's terrible dysplasia. Does it give her? Does it introduce difficulty in communicating with people? Is that was that the whole thing? Oh well, I and, think. Hmm. I, I think that, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying, and and Spock is the first person because of the l- dyslexia and the logic and the human, um, all together. Like he's the first person that can actually understand her, but like. Well, I think think it was because, like, in order to get all, because she was constantly being pulled back to the future, she didn't have enough time to explain everything in detail. But she could mind meld with someone and get that all that information at once. But if she would do that, that would screw up their mind because of temporal dysphagia. Okay, because Spock was Vulcan and dyslexic. He so, could understand it. So, so how did how did she actually convey that Burnham, that young Burnham, was lost in the forest? Did she just come back and tell him, or she came back and he kind of like telepathically read her thoughts? How did she know that he was dyslexic? Because well, she, she knows a lot of crap. Because she's from the future, <laughs> she knows a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, she maybe. looked it up on the internet. <laughs> because it's a time episode playing <laughs> through time so yeah. the Spock being dyslexic thing is that new or is that something that's that new. was established that's okay new. it's new and I will say that's that new. It's, 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 that's it's, a convenient plot point yeah and at first I hated that I hated that they changed something that was fundamental to the character but they do mention in this short scene that he has worked extra hard to conceal it so to me that one little line like makes it okay to me and it does make sense for this story. So 
I'm fine with it now. Before I was kind of like, eh. hmm. Let me add this um, to comment on what Jonathan said about what has Spot being able to read this or understand this done. What if these mini search for Spock that we had in this earlier part of the season put these characters in the particular places that they are in, coming in contact with the data, coming in contact to where they are now. None of that may have happened had they not been, you know, following Spock to find Spock. Yeah. 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 I think it's a lot that was convenient and maybe a lot of stuff that was, I don't know. I thought it was good writing. Ultimately, I think it's pretty good writing. They, they had a lot to get through and they did in a way yeah. where all of the different stories kind of made sense with each other. So I can't really fault them too much on that. Um, but anyway, it's, well, it's no fault. I mean, it's great, great writing, yeah. as you said, yeah. great episode. It's just, you know, when you, when you start analyzing the details, like it's just certain questions that stick out. And, yeah. I mean, and that's even, just kind of one of them. Even with my, my, data freak out i I still really enjoyed this episode like i don't i don't think it's a bad episode it's just certain things like this just you know it i guess you just shouldn't think too hard about some <laughs> yeah. of this stuff yeah <laughs> and to be honest guys we kind of have a, a a disadvantage because we do a podcast on the show we kind of overanalyze things whereas well, but- Imagine your enjoyment from this if you were not overanalyzing. That's why like, I don't analyze after like I watch it the first time and go back and watch it again. I enjoy it the first time always. You guys don't do that? Y'all kind of like analyze no. from the get go? Yeah. No. Uh, no. I, I just I start making notes immediately. Oh, I'm with you, Clarence. I do what you do. I just feel like I can kind of abstract the the analytical part from me enjoying the episode. I kind of do both at the same time, but not, I don't have like a notepad and I'm not like making notes or anything. I just kind of make little mental notes about things, but it doesn't really affect my enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I don't write anything down, but I'm just, I'm just saying certain things would like the whole spot. Like why, what, what, what's the purpose of spot? Like my questioning that is because, you know, I want to talk about that. But if right. if we weren't talking about this episode on a weekly basis, like it wouldn't really bother me. Like I like, yeah, they'll explain it later. It, it was a good episode. I like having Spock here, <laughs> you know, but now that we're analyzing and we're theorizing and, and I guess some people would do to that me, on a basis. To me, that's part of the fun part. Yeah, like I, I enjoy doing that, though. So yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you want dumb fun, don't you, John? Just dumb well, fun. I mean, it's, it goes to the same thing like video games. That's why I kind of stopped playing video games now because, like, I'm used to my good old eight bit, sixteen bit video games. It doesn't involve much thought. But like, you get into like World of Warcraft. And you never Final played Fantasy. Mega Man, did you? Oh, I love Mega Man or any Final Fantasy. No, I hadn't played. I will not play any Final Fantasy. It's too much thinking. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm trying to enjoy myself. I want some entertainment. To like I want to hit A and jump. That's what I want to do. I'm, see, like, see, like it's the opposite for me, dude. Like I, I like when I don't want to think. I don't play video games. I sit down and watch something because video games require active thought and they like they stimulate you. In my opinion, a lot more than just sitting down and watching something does. But I mean, yeah. different strokes for different folks, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, see, when I wanted, when I wanted not think, I play games like World of Warcraft or something like that because I can just kind of, because I mean, I don't play for like the lore or you know the backstory. I just want to like blow stuff up and collect money for it. That's, yeah, that's but like then you have goal. to worry about like I have to get this suit of armor to fight this uh, this person and no, 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 because this then magic, you download mods and, then I have and it to tells get... you what you need and it, it, it tells you where to go. Right. I want to run. I want to run. Focus, gentlemen. Focus. Okay, we're we're uh, yeah, we digress greatly here. Sorry. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and try to get through the rest of the episode. So, real quick, uh, the Burnham conversation with her mother. Uh, Jonathan said he didn't like the emotional tone in the of Burnham, and that's what I love, and I I think that's perfectly displayed on both sides by her and her mother in the conversation she had. That particular conversation I'm okay with. That particular conversation. But what the emotional part of Burnham, like when she when her mother said, I only want to talk to Pike. Mm -hmm. Or even before that. You wouldn't be pissed. (laughs) My mother is back for twenty years. She doesn't want to talk to me. John, your wife let's say your wife disappeared in the future for twenty years and came back and she only wanted to talk to Jeremy and she didn't want to talk to you. How would you feel? How would you feel? I'd be John? pissed too, but at some point <laughs> But I mean at that point I like, okay, she has to have a reason. Let's see this play out. Like let's figure this out. See what's yeah. that? What's weird is I agree with all of y'all on this, so I'm kind of conflicted <laughs> as to like where I should land here. But I mean, I understand where where Jonathan's come from because uh, you know that especially that first scene, it was kind of almost kind of hokey the way she was acting. Right. Really? But and then yeah, in but, the comforts. But I understand where it's coming from because you know you're pissed because your mom is back after twenty years and she wants nothing to do with you. So mm-hmm. I mean I understand why she's why why she's emotional, but just the way she acted in that mm-hmm. scene was just a bit hokey and kind of over the top. Now the emotion in the doctor, like when she first first woke, wakes up from her five hour unconsciousness, right? Like that was great. I love that scene. That was great acting on her part. It really fit. But you know the meeting with Pike and Saru and all of them when he they're trying to decide if she was going to go or not going to go. And he's saying, you're going to stay on the ship. And she was just kind of like, just constantly, no, I got to go. No, this is the reason. No, this Dude, is the reason. No, this is man, the reason. I don't know about you, but I would be freaking out just as much if I was in that situation. Thank so, you. like, I I can't blame, I can't fault them for, I feel like she did a good job portraying that. Because if she didn't do a good job, it would have, to me, it would have been like super, super cheesy. Like, I wouldn't have been like, why is she so emotional? I would have been laughing. But I feel like she did a really good job conveying the frustration and the um, anguish, you know, guess, for wanting to see not, her mom. That's just not what I've come to expect from Michael. Well, like, well, if it was Tilly, on the other hand, I understand that. Well, see, John, what? the thing is, she's this is this is a situation she's never been in before. This is a familiar territory for her. But in every episode, unfamiliar territory. No, like, I disagree. No, no. No, most I mean, most of these episodes are business as usual. I mean, even the stuff when they were in the other ga- the other universe is business as usual. Like that's what they do, you know. She's trained for this her whole life. She hasn't trained for her mama popping up. That's what, and that's know, like, and that's perfect, Carrie. I mean, w- when you said training for the mama, there that is something your familiar, you know, your family relationship that is outside anything Starfleet has been having going on. You just saw your dead mother come back from the dead, basically. Yeah. How do you prepare for that? 
And, and yeah, if she would have been just like cool, cool ice cold over that, then it would have really yeah. bothered me. I mean, it would have really bothered me. Well, no, I mean, I don't want her to be ice cold, but like it just it was like not stopping like it. It was overboard to me. Huh. Like I expected some uh, some reaction, but I also expected like at some point her logical self to kind of step in and like digress from the situation. And you know, when they first introduced Michael, you know, she was a Vulcan for all intents and purposes. And now she's Okay, when has she been logical Vulcan this entire season? Please tell yeah. me when. When she started the uh war? Well this this last, that was last this season. season. And, and, and to that point, I think I think last season was her journey to become more human. I think that was the Agreed. whole point of her in last it, season. You know, I, I agree, but I, I think what well, the point Jonathan's trying to make here is that it wasn't so much the the writing as much as it was the acting. Oh, I totally disagree. A hundred percent. Well 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 real quick, what from that whole conversation, I still want to talk about um um uh, Burnham's mother mentions which you've talked about before. People think time is fragile, precious, beautiful, sands an hourglass, all that, blah blah blah. But time is savage. And it always <laughs> wins. So I just want to say that. Um <laughs> let's move on and real quick, let's talk about the Giorgio Gabrielle conversation. Any takeaways from that? I think it was the softening battle of the mothers. Up? Softening up <laughs> Yes. I love it, dude. I love it because I mean, like to me, this shows that the Terran Giorgio cared about the Terran Burnham a lot. Yes, a lot. Yes. And when she when she double crossed her, it really really hurt her. And now she's in the universe with the Burnham that is you know not a, a bloodthirsty <laughs> Terran. <laughs> And I feel like she, you know, because she didn't let her die and she brought her to this universe so she could live because she didn't want to see Giorgio die twice. I feel like all that's kind of playing into what we're seeing. And I love it. I really love it. I totally echo what Carrie just said. (laughs) Any thoughts from the Hattiesburg wing? Um, I got nothing. I I agree. I agree. I think it was it was. It was appropriate. It was very appropriate. Yeah. And I do think something very interesting was mentioned. Um, uh, Mama Burnham mentioned that the suit is DNA encoded. So I was like, huh. So does that mean Burnham could use it at some point? Maybe sort of kind of. So yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> I got, I got a weird question. This probably kind of like out of place, but is this like the same kind? Would this be the same type of? Time crystal that Harry Mudd used. Yes, exactly. Created by a fourth dimensional race. Well, I, I guess I want to throw this question out: like, what gets her trapped in in nine hundred fifty years in the future? Is it the fact that the crystal was being shot as she did that first jump? Uh, they really just didn't explain it. That, wait, 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 visually, wait. that's what I thought was it being shot. Did the crystal get shot? Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that, but he is firing as she leaves, so it's a very good point. So how did uh, how did 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 did, uh, uh, Leland just shoot and destroy the crystal in this episode? If it's already, I feel like the Klingon shot might have damaged it. Yeah, and this shot shattered, yeah, um, (laughs) destroyed it. Okay. Damage. Wait, did Leland shoot it? Because I know he used that yeah. ultra beam gun, beam cannon he gun to shoot at the force field. It went straight through the suit. And yeah, it went the through the suit. Oh, I didn't notice that. 
Like, mm-hmm. where'd that gun come from? My gosh. Section 31. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. This might be a dumb question, but do, do do they still have the plans for this suit somewhere? Like, do they have the blueprints for the suit? Is, you is that Is that, like, that's I feel... That's a great question. You think that's something that, you know, I feel like, I don't know, like, that. that's the only part that bothers me about this, is that why haven't they tried to make another suit? Yeah. Could, well, I, is that a possibility? I think the most important part of the suit is the time crystal, and that's, like, the hardest part to come by. Uh, so I kind of feel like if they had to, they probably could build another suit. But to your point, why haven't they done it? But maybe they can't find another time crystal is the, is the real issue. Okay. I don't know. Huh? So, uh, any thoughts on the final showdown? I guess we'll go ahead and jump to it. The final showdown, Leland, uh, section 31 controlled. Leland, T-1000. T-1000. <laughs> Lee, Lee 1000. Lee 1000 comes down and, uh, wreaks havoc on, Mama Burnham and Discovery Crew. Um, any thoughts? The final fight between these guys. So, like, um, my only question is why? Why didn't they set the phasers to kill? Why they? Why they set the stun? Like this dude's obviously trying to kill all of them. Why wouldn't they set this phasers to kill? Maybe it was set to kill. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if they were set to kill or so. Maybe just but doing no- it. I remember in the Terry Universe when they were set to kill, they were vaporizing folks. <laughs> but their kill and our kill is two different now, like, There was like nothing left. They were like, it was was <laughs> maybe his so, uh, he had modulating frequencies uh, of nanoprobes, which was. But I mean, <laughs> that's that's the other thing is like, like because there's a scene earlier where um Ash walks in and his face is like, like morphing a little bit. So like, is he already not human? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's much of Leland left in there. No, I, think I, I figured, all probes, nanoprobes. Yeah, I, I figured. <laughs> I didn't realize the nanoprobes actually like could augment his his physical um state. I just thought it was a mind thing. So like that's the, when I was watching that, I was like, why is he just absorbing? The d- d-? But if if he can do all that, then never mind. It makes sense. Yeah, like I said, dumb question. <laughs> it was very much Terminator. I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't kill me. So Leland gets 54% of the sphere data and the, I guess the other 46% goes back to the future with, uh, Mama Burnham. Uh, man, any clue on where she goes or does she go back 950 years or does she go into infinity, perpetual infinity? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to nitpick, but the other half of the data is still on a discovery, isn't it? I, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was on it. Half of it got downloaded into the suit and the other half I got siphoned whole- from the suit. My thing was it the thing the thing the little device was intercepting the data. I didn't. I don't it think it, any of it got to the suit. But Giorgio cuts it off at a certain point when they start fighting, or right before they start fighting, and he turns it back on. Uh, I don't know. They said he only got fifty four percent of the data, so I guess where is the other forty six percent? Is a question. It's on the right. discovery. It's yeah, on the discovery. Yeah, I thought it was where it was originally. I don't know. Good question. <laughs> now was he copying it was it like when he intercepted did it like stop at him or was it going was, to the suit and he was copying it I think well, he was siphoning it off to be a nerd I, I felt like they were doing a man in the middle of attack man in the middle <laughs> attack where um you could if you could spoof somebody's um let's say you you're going to gmail.com and um basically what you do is on the machine you edit 
the DNS entry for Google.com. So instead of it going to Google servers, it goes to your server. And then, you know, when they log in, they log into your server. You have their credentials. Then you can log on to the Google server and get all their stuff. So, like, that's to me what it looked like. But So they thought it was going to the suit, but it was actually going to Leland. Yeah, it was going to Leland. That, that, yeah, that, like, that's what I assumed in my head was that it never got to the suit. And what took uh, 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 Georgia so long to turn it off? She was trying to figure out yeah, if oh. she could trust mom and she was trying to figure out if Leland had gone bonkers. So Yeah, she didn't she didn't realize it until mom said the same thing that Leland's uh that uh, section thirty I mean AI control, control Leland said mm-hmm. uh, earlier on the ship. So that's the only point where she really Yeah, but then she didn't sure. turn it off to like ten minutes after. Well she couldn't just walk to it and turn it off. She had to like be all section thirty one y about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, she just walked up there and put it on there, turn it on. So I mean, why are you calling me on a secure channel? Another thing is, she um when she when she was talking to the mom, the you know Burnham and I can't remember who was with her. They Stamets. appeared behind her. Yeah. So it's not like she, you know she didn't want them to know what was going on either. Well, no, so. I'm saying after that, after she contacted uh, Ash. And I mean, at that point, she had pretty much decided that Leland was not right and they needed to interrupt this feed. So why didn't she just immediately go do it? Well, she asked him how how much had been copied. So yeah, she did. You know, she, yeah. she, she wasn't in a hurry. I don't she, think she did due diligence. And I guess she didn't foresee uh, Ash getting stabbed in the ribs. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, Leland. Was, that was so incredible. Like the scene we called discovery. He's like. Leland, uh, and then falls down like a horror movie. I thought that was the best. I love don't it. Don't tell Harry. <laughs> Godspeed, Spider-Man. <laughs> anyway, uh, any other thoughts while we wrap this up? I mean, I think it was a good episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I can't wait for I, I, You know, I'm glad they are back to form because episode 10 just felt like a a mess for lack of better words. <laughs> and they are back to that feel that we've had for the first nine episodes. And it feels great. And it feels like I'm home again. So just any other thoughts about this episode before we wrap this review up? Well, this isn't necessarily about the episode, but more about the review. One of the things that I like about being on this podcast is there are so many of us on here that we're not always going to agree. And I like the fact that we can agree, but then still, you know, have camaraderie amongst each other. And that's fun to me. So uh, for any time that anybody's disagreed with me or I've disagreed with anybody, that is so freaking fun. So kudos to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, let's go around the horn and see what everybody's been working on podcast related or otherwise. And I'll start with Carrie, man. What you got, dude? Uh, dot com or Facebook.com slash techpedition. Every well, Wednesdays when we feel like it at 930, um, <laughs> we get on and talk about the tech. So, you know, just keep, keep, join our page, um, Facebook.com slash techpedition. You know, follow us and you will know when we go live as soon as we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah Kyle Jones what about you man so I'll uh, stay with Carrie on the Facebook promotion so anybody that does love time travel episodes and does love time travel stories chances are you're going to like Doctor Who so if you are a fan of Doctor Who go to facebook.com slash discussing who where we talk about guess what Doctor Who 
Awesome sauce. Jonathan, what about you, man? Uh, man, absolutely nothing. <laughs> it can be otherwise. It doesn't have to be podcast related, man. Uh, still nothing. <laughs> a whole lot of working, man. A whole lot of work. Jeremy? It's all up these days. <laughs> well, I was mentioning I'm kind of the same way. I've been working like a whole lot here lately. But um, I'm, I'm on, I finally got to the season two of Gotham this week. And I guess the main villain for this season is the actor who played Serac uh, in Discovery. So I'm having trouble separating the two. <laughs> yeah. He was also like, on um, um, Orphan Black, too, a lot. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Now, I want to, but I, there, there's just a long list of shows that I'm trying to get to, and that's kind of not at top. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. But, but yeah, it, it's hard to separate Serac uh, and, you know, the bad guy here. I'm like, what would Spock do if he knew what you were doing right now? <laughs> well, if you think that's hard, uh, get ready to watch Orphan Black and try to separate all the different characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tatiana Malzlani. She's awesome. Yes. She's freaking awesome. Uh, yeah. And I will say um, what I want to plug. I've been watching Iron-Blooded Orphans <laughs> uh, season Gundam. Two. Yeah, which it's, uh, I've kind of started binging those, and it's been a lot of fun, and I'm really enjoying that. But guys, if you uh, have feedback, and we want to get to more of that in the next episode, I kind of didn't get to uh, some feedback we had from our friend Eric Hetherington, as well as we had some feedback on our Facebook, uh, our Facebook and um, YouTube page, is what I was trying to say. So, yeah, we'll try to get more feedback. And if you have feedback, you can send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on all of the social medias. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.